This is about something that lights your fire when nothing else will. This is the Mark Devine Show. This show, we're going to discover and dive in and discuss what makes the world's most inspirational, compassionate, and resilient leaders so courageous. Transform the nature and functioning of our own brain for the better. Go put your virtues in action. Be the best version of yourself. Life is a practice. Day by day, and get wiser and stronger and grow. How do you understand enough about your own mind and psychology and emotions and how you develop a reflective awareness practice to actually get in the driver's seat of your own mind? We go in-depth with people from all walks of life, martial arts grandmasters, meditative monks, CEOs, military leaders, stoic philosophers, proud survivors, and more. Every episode turns our guests' grants into actionable insights that you can learn from and lead a life filled with compassion and courage. I started putting all these little tools in my pocket, started to reflect a lot and meditate. There has to be a balance between movement and rest. It all starts with us. We cultivate these qualities in ourselves. We become a beacon of life for others in the world. Please join us on the journey. The Mark Divine Show. Hoo-yah. Hey, guys. Welcome to CarCast. We've got uh, an exciting episode. We uh, got a chance to sit down with the great Gordon Murray over at the Quail event and uh, brought some microphones with us. So we are going to uh, we're going to kick it off with the Gordon Murray interview. Before we get started, here's Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know it's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Uh, Gordon, thank you so much. Uh, the great Gordon Murray is here with uh, Gordon Murray Automotive. A display at the Quail now, and it's been a minute since uh, we've had a, an automotive company from you here. But you've been probably been still been coming to the Quail for a bit to take a look around. Yeah, I um, I judge at Pebble Beach every year and have done for oh maybe eight nine years now. So. Uh, I've come to the Quail quite a few times in that uh, in that period. So when we needed to bring the cars over and do our USA launch, it just seemed like the perfect place, really. It's a beautiful, the uh, T50, the T30. You know, I'm such a fan of naturally aspirated motors. And, you know, Matt will tell you one of the reasons I never got the 4GT0506 is because it had a blower on it. And I was like, the Lamar car never had a blower on it. Felt like a Mustang engine. Somebody strapped a blower on it, and I just love the notion of taking a naturally aspirated motor and wringing it out. You know, because even if a motor is lower on horsepower, the magic is really from 6,500 to beyond. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if that same motor's making less. Than something with a blower, something with, you know, turbochargers or something on it. And the fact that you've got a 3.9 in this car that's tacking up to 12.1 is just unbelievable. 
And how do you get how do you get it to twelve one? Well, how do you do the technology? I, I, that, that's that's down at Cosworth. I mean, happily, I started my life as an engine designer uh, long before I got into chassis, and um, I. So when I approached Cosworth, when I approached Cosworth to do the motor for us, um, I sort of set the standards. And when I first said, you know, I wanted to be the highest road going revving motor car and the current record was 11,500 set by a little car I designed called the light car company Rocket Jay Leno has one Yeah. Um, back in the 90s that's still the highest revving engine when I said 12,000 revs they raised their eyebrows <laughs> but actually um, they managed it but what's even more magic about the engine when I was growing up in the 60s you either had revs and horsepower or torque you couldn't have both you, know, right. you just couldn't have both what Cosworth have done is this is the most torque-responsive motor I think I've ever driven. When yeah. is it making its maximum torque? Uh, the maximum torque's about 9, but it makes 70% at 2.5. Really? Yep. You can't believe how it pulls like a train. I, and and, and so how, how, is th- how is that possible? How do you get that much yes, low-end it's torque? Just, it's just it's two things. Firstly, it's the tools we have at our disposal for motors these days. And I'll come back to that. And the other thing is Cosworth's expertise. You know, when you think this engine revs two and a half thousand higher than the best Ferrari, you know, it's like... um, How they do that is they use all their expertise on combustion and the thermal part of the motor. So they have a, a, a double injector on each port. So they have a high one in the trumpet and they have a low one right near the valve head, low down. And then they have a tumbler that pops out and, and tumbles the, um, the mixture into the cylinder for adjusting it. Then you have variable valve timing on both inlet and exhaust cams that you can set for torque. And that's instantly adjustable on this motor. It's electronically controlled. And then, of course, you have your standard ignition timing and your standard injection timing. And you mix all that together... Yeah, uh, and the other thing they've done very cleverly, the old F1 engine, the, the BMW, and the F1 had 12 throttle bodies, very difficult to set up and control. They have a, a plenum chamber which settles the uh, combustion, uh, the pre-mixture, if you like, and with only four throttle bodies, which is much easier to um, control. They mix all that up in a fantastic equation and get a motor that revs to 12 but still produces 70% max torque at 2.5. How did you end up at 3.9 or how did they end up at 3.9? Um, it was, I wanted a, I wanted a 3.3. Um, I loved the Colombo engines from the 60s in Ferrari. I've, yeah. got, a two, I've got a 275 GTP4. Uh, and I just thought 3.3, I, I hate all these engines getting bigger and bigger and bigger and all the turbos and electrical assistance and stuff. So I, um, I decided that we'd go the opposite. We'd build an ultralight car and we'd have a 3.3, which I thought was just a magic number. Right, right. Um, when I told Cosworth I wanted more push than a McLaren F1, <laughs> they did the calculations that said the car would have to be under 900 kilos. We did a quick sum back at GMA, and we worked out with aircon and all the safety and stuff you have to have. We we could we could do a thousand kilos, but we couldn't do um, 900. 
So we went back to Cosworth. We said, what about if we had 1,000 kilos? And they came back with four litres. 3.99 is four litres. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's four litre. Does, uh, I notice the starters on the front of the crank. I'm sure that exists. I'm just not hip enough. I'm used to the starters being sort of, you know, on the flywheel. Yeah, it's not just a starter, though. That's an integrated starter generator. So I didn't want any belts on the engine, any rubber belts. Right. So that starts the car. It takes the place of two alternators. It takes the place of the compressor on the motor for the air conditioning. And it (laughs) makes 48 volts to drive the fan and the compressor. So that's the air conditioning pump and the generator as well, all done in that really sweet, neat And it means there's unit. no maintenance. You know, the maintenance on this motor, as, as extreme as it is, is an oil change and a filter change. That's it. Well, that was one of the questions I was going to have was, you know, you, you tell Cosworth you want 12,000 RPM, uh, durability starts to become an issue, right? So sure. What, what were sort of the, I guess, was there a durability milestone that you were Absolutely, going for? Absolutely, yeah. So we warranty the engine at 50,000 miles. And that means we've got to make sure it does 100,000 or maybe even 150,000 right. before it goes wrong. Right. So uh, it's, it's maintenance, it's, it maintenance intervals are 6,000 miles. Yeah. And the maintenance is changing the oil and the filter. Okay. That's it. Now, the T50, a three-seater, which obviously the, the McLaren F1 that you designed back was a three-seater. How did a three-seater go over with, with McLaren in the day? with the government, I guess, at the time? When you go, how do you, how do you well, pitch Well, I a, was a shareholder a three... and a director in the company. <laughs> so, you know, I had a pretty big say. And I wanted, I wanted to do what a halo car, start McLaren. I walked into an empty building with a commercial director and a part-time secretary and started McLaren Automotive in 1990. And they left it all up to me, everything. I chose the furniture, the plants, the pictures on the wall. I chose all the staff. And then I chose what we did first. And I went back to them and said, I think we should do the sort of, try and do the ultimate sports car, supercar. The best driving experience. I'm not interested in top speed, nor the 60. I'm not interested in lap times. I just want to have the best engineered car and the best driving experience. And they were, and by the way, I've got this idea to have the driver in the middle, which I found in one of my notebooks at college, and I've, I found the sketch of that in 1969. Wow. <laughs> wow. I sketched that out. So it was obviously in my mind for a long time. I wanted it to be, to be the ultimate driving experience. I drove all the current cars, and the pedal offsets uh-huh. with the left or right-hand drive were really a pain. So yeah. uh, that's why I went, one of the reasons why I went the for, for the middle. And we were a Formula One company. Right. So it was as close as you could get to a Formula 1 car, basically. Let me tell you about Upside. Cringing at the pump, getting an eye-popping check at the restaurant, inflation. Well, it's hitting everyone. I started using Upside, an app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. And that's all of us. Every purchase, I earn cash back. So if you eat out as much as I do or you... Fill up as much as I do. You want to go with Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use the promo code CARCAST for $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more.
Claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business. Pay as usual with a credit card or debit card and earn three times more cash back than credit card rewards. 4.8 star rating on the App Store, by the way. It's Upside. Right, Matt? Download the free Upside app and use promo code CARCAST to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Use promo code CARCAST. How much satisfaction and pleasure does it bring you to know that those cars are the most expensive 90s car? I mean, it's insane and of course we know jay jay brought i think jay paid just retail for his you know maybe nine seven hundred and eighty grand or eight hundred and fifty grand or whatever it is but i mean there's one as as we speak going across tonight or tomorrow night i think it's tomorrow night at rm yeah they think maybe it's 23 25 million bucks i mean to you know it's one thing to create a car and then die and then, you know, 70 years ago, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, 90s is a modern-day it, it is pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. Still and a modern car. The, the notion that there's nothing near it. I mean, what's the closest street car? The Bugatti quad, you know, turbo? Like, like the EB110 or something? I but, mean, what is, you know, I mean, if, if, if there's something close, there's one and it's three million bucks. It's yeah. not twenty three yeah. million right. bucks. I mean, that's got to bring you a lot of satisfaction. It's it's or validation. I yeah, satisfaction's probably the wrong emotion. But you're being uh, validated. You're you were think, right I with your it, thinking. Yes, that's 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 a much better you emotion. Were I don't get massive satisfaction from it, but it is, you know, because I got a little bit of criticism from a few people when the right. F one came out that it wasn't dramatic enough. It didn't have any wings. You know, right. the styling was a bit... Because I always do the styling and the engineering. The styling was a bit bland and blah, 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 blah. But I wanted it. I wanted it to be a style that still looked good in 10, 20, 30 years' time. Yeah. Like these. You know, I'm hoping a 33 in 30 years' time from now, people will still say it's a cool car, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's more... Yes, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. It's not satisfaction. It's more a validation. That, that was the right direction. That's what I had with COVID. <laughs> I told everyone what was happening and they didn't listen to me, but now I'm validated. Now I'm validated. <laughs> Being able to be given free reign to not just build the car you wanted with the F1, but the company essentially that you wanted That's it. Uh, with McLaren yeah. was, I, I mean, it's pretty rare. Nobody really gets an yeah, opportunity that, like once that. Once again, you've absolutely nailed it because if you look at all... The really iconic cars, and I don't care whether they're a supercar or whether they're the Isigonis uh, Mini, we've got a few of them over there, yeah. or the Chiguicento, or the other iconic motor cars, they're all a one-person car. Right. So one right. person, there's no committees. Yeah, there's like no, painting. There's, there's a painter. There's yeah, not I mean, a committee it's just, of painters. And, and it's, I, mean, I don't mean, I, I had a great team of people that I built up around me. You know, there's seven of us on the design team. But uh, for the F1, I don't mean there weren't other people involved, but there was one person in control, one person's idea, one person's vision, and it's the same with these cars, you know. What are some of your top 
cars in terms of just pure aesthetic design. Like, wow. I love a Lamborghini Mura SV, for instance. Yeah, Mura is one of them. My absolute favorite, I think, is the Alpha uh, 33 Stradale. Um, the 206 Ferrari Dino SP. Not the road car. I don't like that one, the Dino. I like the, you like the sports race. car. The, the Alpha car. race and the... You like cars and race trim? No, no, not particularly. No, my collection. I've got uh, a mixture of road and racing cars. I like the one of my cars I've got is a Di Tommaso Vallelunga. It's one of my favourite looking cars. Kind of picture the Di Tommaso. It's the first one they ever did. I've got an Abarth OT 2000 Periscopio, which is another one of my favourite shapes. An Abarth 2000 SE Spider. As I love that car. And when I did 33. I had all those influences in my head when I was styling that. Um, but I didn't want to do retro. I think I'd hate doing retro. It needed to be modern and crisp, but have all those influences. You know, If you stand by the door and look across the bonnet, it's Lamborghini Mura. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, yeah, the we, Mura SV, I think to me, is the prettiest yeah. road-going car. You know, it's, it's, it's easier... But the BMW M1 Pro car in race trim to me is I, I just love the M1 Pro car yeah BMW I, I just in race trim I love but that the, car but the difference between the Pro car and the street car in that example is so wildly different yes. that's just an example where the Pro car is so much more special yeah but you know we, we talk so much about design and certainly at an event like the Quail you can walk around and see all the beautiful cars but there must be a car, as Adam had said, what's the most beautiful car that you admire? But what about from an engineering standpoint? Is oh, that's it- different. That's right. very different. And that depends, again, on whether you're talking about a road car or a racing car. Yeah. If you're talking about a racing car, it's a Lotus 25, 1963 Lotus 25 Formula 1 car. Colin Chapman was my hero when I was growing up. I liked everything Lotus did, road cars. Um, if you're talking about road cars, it's quite different. I don't think anybody's done, in modern times, anybody's done anything better engineered than a 50 or, a, or an F1. They're just on another level compared to the engineering of right. other supercars. And then uh, coming off of the F1, which has been a little bit of time now, what were some of the benchmarks or the, the things you had in place for your next car, for something like the T50? Now, was the T33 also in mind already, or was the T50... The, the, the design, the styling yeah. of the of the T33, uh, as soon as I finished the F1, within a year, I was hankering on doing a classic motor car that had 60s proportions with all just what you said. All Mura, all my favorite uh, Stradale, all my yeah. favorite influences. But you cannot do it with a central driving position because your your driver's pedals go 10 inches forward, the windscreen goes forward, and you end up with a proportion that's spaceship. It's not 60s. If you look at where the screen starts on 50, very short bonnet, hood, uh, and on the F1, you cannot do a classic-looking motor car. It's more spaceship. Whereas... If you, if you go back to a side-by-side two-seater with the cabin in the middle. Um, so as soon as I'd finished 
the F1, I wanted to do that car. And it's taken me 30 years to do right. it. Right. Okay, so that's interesting. So you come off the F1, and then the T33 is what pops into your head. Yep. But you do the, the T50 first. But the T50 definitely is, I, I guess, let's say the bigger car, right? And the fan and the power. and Yeah, it's and, unique. We wanted that to be the halo, the halo car. car. We promised everybody that would be the halo car. The one brush I don't want to be tarred with is where a company that just keeps taking the same chassis, the same suspension, the same engine, the same gearbox, it just keeps changing the name and the body of the car. That motor car is a completely new chassis, suspension, cooling pack, uh, interior, everything. So there's only four components from 50 that will fit that car. What, what's, the, what's the engine in the T33? It's, another, it's a completely different version of the same V12. So the block... The block and the crank are the same. Okay. Cylinder heads are different. The um, cam is different. Of course, all the valve timing is different. It's a new induction system, and it's a new exhaust system. It's a gear-driven cam? It's, they're all gear-driven. There's no belts on the car right. at all. Yeah. Once you go above 10,000, chains don't live. They don't work. What's no going to be the RPM range of the T33? So that? what I did was, because I wanted the 33 to be slightly, this is about as extreme as you can get. Right. You know, if somebody said, design a supercar that's on the edge in every single way, aerodynamics, engine, revs, <laughs> you know, grip, downforce. You, you made it a traditional gearbox. Yes, but that's to do with the driving experience. The whole ethos behind our company, not T50, our company is driving perfection, so the best driving experience. That's why it's manual. But this car is really quite edgy. Um, 12.4, honestly, on a road car is up here. So what I did on that one, I lopped some revs off the top. Okay. That one revs to 11.1. 11.1. Ah, and I gave, moving. And man. then I gave <laughs> Cosworth the canvas to play with Yeah. to... The canvas to play with to uh, just just my mind. <laughs> the canvas to play with to actually redesign the character of the motor because I wanted 33 to be a little bit more accessible, you know, ingress egress. Right. It's got even this has got great luggage space, but that's got even more. And what they did was because I'd lopped a thousand revs off the top, that thing makes 75 percent of max torque at two five, and two it makes. Five. And it wow. makes 90% of max torque from 4,000 to 9,000 revs, okay. wow. which is mind-boggling. And, and when you drive these engines, you go on, I mean, one day, you know, we'll get press drives and things. You, you cannot believe the way the car pulls. The displacement on the 30 is That's what? the same. Same. So the crank, the, the pistons. Exactly. WWE Hall of Famer Bill Goldberg is going from the squared circle into the wellness mat through his partnership with Hemp2 Lab to launch a new line of wellness products. Gallant, scientifically designed to maximize nutrient delivery and athletic performance and help keep you moving forward without any obstacles. Gallant products have superior absorption and performance backed by science. Gallant products are powered by breakthrough liposomal delivery technology that provides up to 10 times higher absorption and maximum nutrient delivery into the body. Highest quality, natural ingredients, THC-free, organic hemp, vegan, gluten-free, and made in the USA. Right, Matt? Visit madegallant.com and enter promo code 
Goldberg3, that's the number three, for free shipping on your first order. That's Made Gallant, M-A-D-E-G-A-L-L-A-N-T.com, and enter promo code Goldberg3 for free shipping on your first order. Does Did it make it easier with the crazy success of the F1? I, I don't mean success per se, but I just mean the value, the appreciation this sort of retrograde success where people are like, oh, this is my favorite car. It's the most valuable car, whatever. Did it make it that much easier to launch this? No, it probably made it a bit more difficult. Oh, really? Yeah, because you had to do something. If we'd done... Okay, let's turn it around. If I tried to do T50 15 years ago and done an F1 that was 10% better, it would have been complete flop. Mm-hmm. I had to wait until technology and materials and the world was ready for another F1. And the leap forward was big enough to make it worthwhile. So that was really important to me. And that makes it a lot more difficult if you think about it, because the F1 is up on a pinnacle. So the thing you have to do is write down the things you like about the F1 and make sure all those are slightly better. Make sure, and then you write down the things that didn't work on the F1 or are hated about the F1, and make sure those are fixed. And that's, that was my starting point for 50. Interesting. So, but the F1 being so ahead of its time, it took 30 years for technology to basically catch up for you to be that, comfortable it. enough that, to make a T50. That's exactly yeah. it. It's taken 30 years. Yeah. And it, the F1 wasn't revered five years after it came out, was Not it? Not at all. Right. Some people didn't like it. <laughs> um, let's talk about the fan for a second on the T50. Was the fan something that you wanted from the get-go, or was the fan sort of a means to an end? Like, No, no, no. I did the fan on the F1. If the F1's got two of those. Okay. It's fan, the, the F1's got two fans about six-inch diameter, removing boundary layer from the, from the diffuser, just as this does. Oh, it does? Yep, absolutely. It's a little-known fact. It's in the Driving Ambition book. I think it's page 84. <laughs> Look does, it up. What activates the fans? It's, it's just an electric motor. I mean, but at a certain speed or...? Yeah, so the fans come on in they, they uh, tri-functional on the F1. If the engine bay gets to more than 60 degrees, they come on and cool the engine bay. If you put on the heated screen, which is, I think, 58 volts on the F1... We have a DC-DC converter, inverter in the flank, on the left-hand oh. flank, which runs very, very hot to drive the electric. So we're the first people to have a high-voltage electric screen on the F1. Uh, got it from Jet Fighters. And it comes on to cool that box. Hmm. And if you do more than 70 miles an hour, it comes on to give you 5% increase in lift-over drag on the downforce. And it worked. And I put the idea, we ran out of time, you know, it's only, it only works on two tiny sections of the diffuser on the F1, but I put it in the bank and I thought if ever I do another supercar one day, I'll do a much bigger fan and I'll have it right across the diffuser and yeah. that's what this is. So it's an old idea. Wow. I didn't know the original F1 had I didn't that. know that either. You know what? Yeah. You're right. It there were some of the gold. It got lost. I blame Leno for not telling us. First carbon car, central driving position, yeah. active, this active aero, uh, first, first, first. The, the poor little fans got completely overlooked. 
<laughs> yeah, there's no fans for the fans. There's no fans for the fans. <laughs> um, so the fan on the T50, explain a little bit how it works and what's sort of the result. Obviously, we're okay, eliminating so, wings and stuff from the vehicle. Yeah, well, I didn't smooth. want to have a car with a front splitter sticking out the front and a sort of flip-up wing or a wing yeah. on the back. I wanted the car to be really pure. But my downforce target was three times the amount we had on the F1, because the F1, to be honest, had just enough to make it stable. At 240 miles an hour, it was a real handful, you know. Um, so I, I thought if I use the fan, as I said, across the whole diffuser, I can get much more efficient downforce underneath. I can dump the rear wing and dump the front splitter and still get the downforce that a bewinged supercar would have. And still keep the center of pressure in the right place to keep the balance, the aerodynamic balance. And that's exactly what happened. So a normal diffuser, you know how, do you know how a diffuser works? Yes. It, it's, you, you squeeze the air on the lowest part of the car, accelerate it so you get suction, and then you expand it up in a diffuser, this bit that sticks right. out the back, back to ambient again, pressure. If you do that too steeply, the air separates on the F1, I had two little sections that just jumped up. The air would never follow, but I removed with the fan all the boundary layer, which forces the air to follow it and give you much more downforce. And this one does that across the whole diffuser. So when you're driving normally with the fan off, you're driving along, and we've got our normal low downforce target, enough to keep the car stable. If the driver selects, that's the fun thing about having the fan, the yeah. driver controls the downforce. Okay. If the driver selects high downforce... The fan fires up, we open the valves, and we immediately make the, uh, the diffuser 50% more efficient. So you get 50% more downforce. So if you've got a wet road or something, in you, right. or you want to have a bit of fun on a back road with a bit more downforce, under braking, we fire the fan up, and we combine it with these two little spoilers flipping up. We double the downforce on the car in a tenth of a second. <laughs> so it... it brings in the air from underneath the car but in a i i see it in a motorsports environment <clears throat> it's a controlled course and what i mean is, is is the ground itself but if you're using it on a street car what happens when the terrain changes right doesn't make any difference at all doesn't make a difference no There's because no, you're not we're not you're essentially not, have to seal the not, bottom of the car it. It. no 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 it's not a suction i mean the brabham the, my original fan car the brabham bd46b was a very crude device. It was very, very basic. That had skirts sealing it and a fan sucking it to the, the ground. What was the can-am? Oh, same thing. Jim, Jim Chaparral, same thing. Chaparral, right. Skirts around the outside, sucking it down on the ground. This is nothing to do right. with that. This is far more sophisticated. This is right. controlling the boundary layer. It's got nothing to do with skirts or suction. Right, which wouldn't work. Like, you know, on well, the car well, you're you talking about, the skirts. good would. I mean, yeah, but you... The guys you at Goodwood the... ran a car that was the Brabham BD46B, basically, with skirts. But, of course, having a road car with skirts driving around. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that thing was, because when we saw it run, it was it was sucking up everything off the, off the road <laughs> and spinning it out the back. Yeah, well, that's, that's what the Brabham did. Yeah. yeah. yeah but so... that's not practical for a road car. This is a far more sophisticated way of using a fan. Did and, they and... outlaw the Chaparral? Fan car? They Remember did. Remember that car? They yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy car. Yeah. Big, also had a big tail on it, too. Like a big downforce on it. 
So what is the what does it sound like? What it, you know the fan? Yeah. Well, in isolation, it it whistles a bit. We worked a lot. If you look closely at the fan, you'll see it has a very compound shape and a serrated trailing edge. Okay. Looks a bit sort yeah. of Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the trailing edge of the fan, that's all for noise reduction and power reduction. Um, so on its own, if you had the engine switched off, it, it makes a bit of a whistle. But to be honest, when you have that V12 between you and the fan, you're never going to hear it. Never right. going to hear it. But maybe from outside the car, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> you're still not going to hear it. No, you're not going to hear it. So the T50, we have the T33. With either of these cars, is there a plan to get back into motorsports at all? I'd love races? to, but the uh, the ACO regulations at the moment are complete rubbish. Because we were at the track and we ran into this Dario Franchini guy, and he said he needed a job. <laughs> yeah, um, we we you know because because we won Le Mans with a road car in '95. Yeah. I would love to go back to Le Mans, but and and there I, is I, there is a. There is a Le Mans car out there, right? There's a hypercar reg, which is supposed to be. I talked to them five, six years ago. I was at the Bahrain Grand Prix, and I met the FIA and the ACO, who run them all. And I said, look, we're, we're, doing, we're thinking about doing a supercar. We'd love to, you know. And you guys are talking about doing a supercar reg again. Yeah. We, where, you can, where people can come along and watch a Valkyrie race against a Ferrari. Right, and a, yeah, and it's and, good, and it's entertaining. And went, we'd fun. love to be part of that. And they went, yeah, yeah, we're looking at it. And then they came out with the regs, and they were complete rubbish. Oh. You know, uh, we've got our track car version of this, the, the T50S Nicky Lauda. It's under 900 kilos. Their weight limit is 1150 kilos for that. We'd oh, have really? to put we'd have to put a quarter of a ton yeah. of lead or steel on the car to go racing for a start. And they're for hybrids, not NA. They don't want to hear these engines. All oh, right. You know, there, is it's a, com- there is an F1 at the track now, right? An F1? I think so. A McLaren F1? Yeah. No. No. They're in race track. They will be soon in historic. They'll be, uh, they'll be eligible for historic soon. What am I, am I making this car up? I, I thought there was a McLaren F1 in race track. I, I think it's just on display. I think I saw it out on that. Oh, there's track. plenty. There's plenty out there, but they're not legal at the moment. Oh, okay. But in vintage, yeah. I, I don't know that it's racing in a class, or you saw it on. The I think track. it's yeah. No, I think it's I think it's out there in a class. Uh, well, yeah. Figure it out. We'll so figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, all right. And then, okay. So the the next step for Gordon Murray Automotive. Uh, are we going to get into hybrids? Are we going to get into SUV? EV? Yeah, an SUV. <laughs> Not what I'm breathing. Yeah. Uh, uh, electrification of some sort. Yeah, sure. I mean, the other side of our business, we're a small part of a, of a, gr- of a group. You know, um, Gordon Murray Automotive is only 80 people out of a group of uh, over 350 people. So we're okay. less than a quarter of the group. The rest of the group is working on electrification, um, customer cars, electric cars using our lightweight uh, super light technology which is in 33 uh, low energy manufacturing systems that's what that's our main this is a little bit of fun right. a bit of brand building and something i've always wanted to do you know that's that's it um, 
the rest of the group is doing the serious stuff, if you like. <laughs> They're doing the serious stuff? Yeah. I feel like this is pretty serious enough. No, it it's is, but stuff. you know what I mean. Now, this is, to answer your question, one day GMA will have to have hybrid products right. or, or hydrogen products, if you don't want to go hybrid, or full electric. But our promise to people, and this is our ethos, is when we do have to go hybrid and we do have to go full electric, we'll always be the lightest, the best engineered, and the most fun to drive. That's interesting because that was going to be my next question. This is how, how do you go to some sort of electrification and still keep the GMA mantra of lightweight? Well, that's it. That's it. We just need to, to be yeah. lighter. I mean, the mainstream part of the business, I'll give you a really good example. Uh, the GM Technologies, the Gordon Murray Technologies side of the business, we're currently working on a, it's not an SUV, it's a small family, a four-meter family, four-seater car. The average weight of those cars is 1,400, 1,500 kilos with a battery and everything. We're aiming at 1,000 kilos. Okay. So we keep the vehicle dynamics alive and we keep the driving experience alive. So whatever we do, it doesn't matter what the motive power source is, we're aiming to do the best driving experience, the lightest car, and the best engineered car, full stop. Yeah. Well, it's a good <laughs> note to go out on. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure. Uh, yeah. Murray, um, it's an absolute pleasure. Congratulations, cars, by the way. This is, this is fantastic. These cars look amazing and really just can't wait to uh, see them run around the track on person, which may be Sunday. Uh, I understand you yeah, guys Yeah, you must be. come and have a listen. That's uh, we're going to say go Sunday. It's funny you said a listen, not a look. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're right. At 12-1, you need a listen. It's like, no, it's like nothing else you've ever heard. Now you're right. right. Well, now they're firing right. up cars, so I think we're just about yeah. done here. That's but, one uh, of the old-fashioned ones, yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you, your time. Cheers. Bye-bye. There you guys go. That's the great Gordon Murray. Very excited to be able to talk with him. Uh, what a super interesting guy. Hopefully we'll get some more time with him in the future. But uh, until next time, that's it. Keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All this month, stream the funniest films for free on Pluto TV. Watch comedy classics like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Mean Girls. Or drop in for a Tyler Perry marathon with a Medea family funeral and Medea's witness protection. 
Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Get Shorty, Be Cool, Key and Peel, Comedy and Color, and more. And no contracts, no subscriptions, no fees, no joke. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.